0: But uh, I've heard him referred to as Dan O'Bannon, real hippie guy.
1: Interesting. Hippie. I was reading stories about him, like, hanging out in strip clubs and stuff.
0: You don't think hippies like strip clubs? No,
1: I didn't. No, that was not no. yeah, <laughs> That was your impression. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't get the hippie impression.
0: Mm. Yeah. Hippies, hippies like titties. <laughs> <laughs> they do.
1: There's a shirt for you. Hippies love titties. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're on Midnight Local, the podcast from How to Drink, where we just talk about things. Movies. Uh, pop culture.
1: Maybe some video games.
0: That too. All the things.
1: The things. The stuff and things.
0: All of the stuff and the things on Midnight Local.
1: Let's get to it. Today's movie. Return, Return
0: of, of the, the living, living Dead.
1: dead. <laughs> it was appropriate very, for this movie. Yeah, very flat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was dirge-like. <laughs>
1: Well, before before we get jump into the movie today, I saw something this week that was What'd wild. I watched that movie, Spirited. Have you? Do you know what this is? is?
0: That's a Christmas thing.
1: It's the Ryan Reynolds Will Ferrell Christmas spectacular.
0: Is it? A, yeah, and it's all. Is it a Christmas spectacular or is it a retelling of a Christmas Carol?
1: sort of With, oh. there's not not exactly not exactly but it's it's in there it was it took a dark turn at one point too Ooh,
0: that's very Christmas Carolly it,
1: it well it was it went even darker than Christmas Carol I think though like it just tell me how there. dark
0: it went because I'm a Christmas Carol expert I know how dark Christmas Carol gets going
1: well you're right you're talking about the book though like not the movie adaptations yeah. The book is dark. I don't know if I want to spoil it for people. It's uh, we're probably coming out post holidays here, so Just if people want to see it.
0: So we should get this off of our chest. This show is full of spoilers. Oh, that is true. <laughs> I don't think we have to. I think with the, that that ship has sailed.
1: This this movie goes to teenage suicide.
0: Whoa! <laughs> I would not see that coming.
1: Nor did we. Is there a disclaimer at the top? There is not. Well, Holy I to, I, shit. I missed the first two minutes so to be fair so i actually don't know oh well it would be the first two minutes (laughs) well so I'm. that's where you put a disclaimer right before it happens and it's like oh we should really work no everyone i was watching it with who saw it from the beginning uh didn't didn't seem to seem prepared for what was about to happen
0: is it somehow undone by the end of the film through christmas magic
1: yes okay yes it is okay
0: good i I hope it doesn't yeah that's good (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> but you know it was fun. Ryan Reynolds, I find him charming, so it's always good. And Will Ferrell's always a pleasure.
0: Uh, you're gay, so it may not. This is a question, though. So Ryan Reynolds is often trotted out as an example of men misunderstanding the female gaze. Thoughts on that? Unpack it.
1: No, I don't think so at all. Like he's famous because men like him.
0: Yeah, they're basically saying that. Like no, 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 no. Ryan Reynolds some women may find him attractive but like the reality is is that like this is the dude that dudes want to be this is not the dude that women want to be with
1: that's a hard one for me because i am married to a lady but um i don't think that's true i don't know i'm gonna need straight women to chime in but no i think he's wonderful
0: straights get in the comments yeah
1: (laughs) people don't ask for their opinion enough uh, the the Straits? Yes.
0: Yeah, we're a, a silenced group, for sure. <laughs> that's a fact.
1: <laughs> uh, I know. I don't get that feeling about him at all.
0: You don't get that. Okay, that's fine. Um, no, I was just curious.
1: Have you seen anything weird? weird have recently? I seen
0: anything weird? I started watching Andor, which is like the thing at the top of my
1: mind. Okay. Um, I've heard great things. I've-
0: I have heard great things, and there are things about it that I love. I'm only two episodes in. Here's what I love. Um, right away... There's a scene that happens. It's not a spo- I don't think it's... Well, it's a little spoilery, but I don't give a shit. Um, Andor, Cassian Andor, he gets into, like, a fight. These two dudes are trying to run him down. And he- you find out, oh, this guy knows his way around a fight. And he, like, throat punches this dude. You know? And it's just, like, a real quick chop to the throat to, like, get this guy off his back. And he subdues the other guy. And then they both realize that the first dude is dead.
1: The throat punched.
0: Yeah. Like, he just got killed from one punch. And if... It, to me, it's like this in the same, because if you compare this to like the Mandalorian or something like that, where people are just having superhero battles and not even like breaking a sweat. Yeah, it's like, no, no, this is real shit. Because like that'll happen. Like you could throat punch somebody and kill them without realizing. Well, it. that's
1: uh, the only thing I know about the show is that it's like the regular people right. that are living in the Star Wars world.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's the basic idea, which is cool.
1: Like, these aren't people going off planet. And... I
0: mean, he gets around, but he doesn't install and borrowed spaceships and stuff so far. So. Okay. My complaint about it, though, is just from, like, a film thing. Is it, like, there seems to be no third act on the first two episodes at all? They just sort of, uh, they just end? The other thing <laughs> <like> I've heard <laughs> about
1: happens? it is you have to make it to episode three.
0: Yeah, okay. It's like a 90-minute arc. Yeah. That makes some sense. Well, we'll make it there. Yeah. Maybe even tonight. Um, no, that's it. Though. That's what I've been watching lately. I'm like really hooked on two other shows White Lotus season two. Yeah.
1: Uh, you haven't seen that yet. We're always like, I'm always like five months behind you. I think
0: that's probably in some ways, in some ways, the other way around.
1: Yeah, sure. I think that's true. Like, yeah. we'll like, we're just catching up on the boys now. Oh, okay, season three.
0: Yeah, do you like that? I do. Okay, Very I don't know if that was like a guy show or something.
1: There's moments where I'm sure. like, that's for the, that's for the guys. That yeah. one, that one's for the guys, sure. but like a fart joke or something that's misplaced, or like the whole Spice Girls rundown. I'm like, because it's funny. Girls? He he, his in the first season, oh, he gives he like a whole breakdown of why Spice the Spice Girls, Girls are great, yeah, I forgot about and that. I'm like, that's that's for the guys.
0: Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that
1: because it's funny for a tough dude to like Spice Girls,
0: uh, and it is kind of kind of yeah like the joke lands <laughs> like i don't know like he's very comfortable with his like of the spice girls anyway it's not his. uh it's not at his it's not at his expense no but i was gonna say uh, white lotus all i'll say about that is that that show makes me want to uh crawl out of my skin and then turn around and set my bag of skin on fire like the season two is really
1: in a good way. <sighs>
0: well yeah because like they're very successfully pulling my okay. strings but right. like I also don't need more than small doses of that show season one was a joy uh, season one was all about like status season two seems to be all about sex and uh, like interrelational stuff between people that makes me extremely uncomfortable to watch. oh
1: interesting yeah. oh now see now you you always you pitch me on stuff and I finally reach a point where I'm like now nah, I have to watch it because I'm curious
0: I'm not big on inf- infidelity as a major plot point bugs me OK, Yeah, I'm not into that it fucking pisses me off.
1: Well, you're, you're a wife guy.
0: I'm a wife guy. Somebody described us both as wife guys. I
1: am also a wife guy.
0: Yeah. That's just two wife guys <laughs> in a cave. Uh,
1: <laughs> that, that should be the podcast title Two two wife guys in a cave. They're going to be
0: making us change it. I mean, it's not a bad idea, but then it, it does apply a different theme. And then the other thing I was going to say is that we're into is uh, the peripheral. Which is a show on um, I haven't Amazon. Haven't even
1: heard of that one. Oh,
0: dude, it's cool. It's written by William Gibson. He's like a famous. He invented cyberpunk. He wrote the first cyberpunk novel, uh, Neuromancer. But um, it's based on a novel of his, and I think he had a lot of input on it. Um, it's very cool. The first three episodes are like amazing, and then there's two episodes of kind of like some, it's a little talky for me. It's a little little you know four lines and wait all waiting. You know that expression? No. It's, uh, it's how soap operas are written, where there's multiple oh, okay. plot points, but, like, nothing is happening on any of them. Like, it's all the lines are waiting. Um, it kind of felt a little bit like that. Now, like, things are happening again, so I don't know. I'm, like, I'm very plotty yeah. in my show interests. Like, I'm very plotty.
1: We had very different weekends of oh, yeah, well, watching things. Okay. Because I, well, uh, I...
0: my weekend didn't involve watching anything. I was on a bender in the city with my wife <laughs> for her birthday, but...
1: Well, our <laughs> last weeks then. Because the only other thing I watched this weekend was... Um, Falling for Christmas, the Lindsay Lohan movie that like, just came out. I
0: hate your life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was with a specific group of people this weekend, and these are the things I watch with that group of people. Got it. Just... It's a joy in the group. On yeah. your own, not for as much. sure.
0: But we are supposed to talk about uh, predict if you like the movie. Or oh, not.
1: yeah. Okay. Well. This, this is an easy one. You know I love this movie. I know you love this
0: movie. Uh, I, I bet you liked it because I project myself onto everybody I look at. So you're just like me. <laughs> Perfect. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, did you like it?
1: Um, I do. I think it's good.
0: You think it's good?
1: I think it's good. I think... Um, but not great. Well, so I, I went a little... After we watched this the first time, I got very curious of... About night of the living dead and just sort of the whole history behind these movies oh cool i definitely think a movie like night of the living dead is more geared towards my sensitivities like i loved that movie yeah 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 return of the living dead like it's good i'll put it on at halloween but like yeah yeah i don't think we're gonna do the deep dive i know how deep you've got into this i just
0: think it's a great i think it's one of the greatest movies of all time i will say (laughs) right out there on a limb i think return of the living dead 1985 directed by... Wait, hold on a second. I think that Return of the Living Dead, 1985, with a runtime of 91 minutes of the genre comedy horror, that estimated $4 million budget, shot in six weeks, directed by Dan O'Bannon, and written by Dan O'Bannon, is one of the greatest films of all time. That's what I think. I'm right out there on a, on a limb. We had to get those in there somehow. You want to do it a different way?
1: I don't. I do want to say, like, w- the 91 minute runtime, I w- it, is, it is a perfectly lengthed movie yes there's a longer cut out there somewhere have you ever seen it no
0: i don't don't want it
1: you don't want it yeah i i would agree with you yeah Yeah. i think it's perfect
0: there's like um slightly off topic but on that topic aliens have you seen you know the movie the james cameron film yes there's a director's cut of it it was on the laser disc in the 90s and, and also it aired on tv at some point but amongst dudes like of my generation it was widely understood that like director's cut's awesome bro the director's cut is terrible actually it's i never had any interest in it it's just a boring movie that adds it just makes the movie slower and more boring and it has more exposition that you don't need but right. the reason dudes of my generation loved it is because it has this scene where they set up these two automatic machine guns and they just like blast ten thousand aliens to pieces um and it's just like totally not necessary yeah at all.
1: you're usually seeing the director's ego what couldn't they part with
0: and it's funny how it got cut too which is that like they went there the the Distributor or whatever said that it was just, um, or the studio was like, the movie's just too long. It can't yeah. be this long. It's got to be shorter. It's got to be tighter. Like, we don't want to, it's too expensive, you know, because in film, right? Like, it costs money if the movie's longer. Sure. And they couldn't figure out what to cut. And their editor, maybe it was galen Heard, it was Gaylan Heard, the producer, said, if you take reel two out of the movie, the entire reel can come out clean.
1: That's incredible.
0: Yeah. And they just took the whole reel out. <laughs> Maybe it was reel three, whatever it was. Sure. But like, um, gone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for those of you who are digital natives, uh, reels of film are how, uh, if you make a 35 millimeter film, a reel of 35 millimeter has 20 minutes or thereabouts of film on it. And so the film in projection would have multiple reels. Sometimes you would stitch them together into a giant platter. But traditionally, you'd have two projectors and you would switch between them seamlessly. So the entire reel was just cut from the film, 20 minutes.
1: Wow. That's incredible.
0: I think so. Anyway, um, but oh, and I brought that up because like I would have bet that the uh, director's cut, the extended cut of *Return of the Living Dead*, is probably just as useless.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah. I think that you should make every movie as short as it can possibly be. Agreed. And then release it.
0: Yes. Generally speaking,
1: generally speaking, Uh, I'm sure we'll find exceptions to that rule. uh,
0: McKendrick, he was he had a great book on film that was like sort of going around our film school at the time. He also has the uh, great expression that student films come in three varieties long, too long and very much too long.
1: I would have to agree with that. Yes. Oh yeah, very much so. Shot in 6 weeks on a 4 million dollar budget. Nice
0: and tight. 1985, 4 million. Like that's like you could make movies back then.
1: I was thinking that too. I was, uh, like a, a couple of the movies that we've watched so far like we just overthink everything now or overproduce. Not overproduced. even overthink. We're not yeah. thinking, we're overproducing everything.
0: This is well they don't make the middle budget movie anymore. And I mean, at $4 million, that's like low budget. This is a low budget movie at $4 million, you know. For sure. Middle budget then was like $22 million, $30 million. You know? Yeah. Um, but they don't make that either, you know. They really <laughs> you, don't, yeah. You can't get that.
1: Well, it's straight to straight to TV.
0: Uh, To streaming or something, yeah, I guess. I mean, like, it's and the other thing, yeah. too, is you talk about a low budget movie. This movie looks fantastic. And that is because, and this is one of the things you lost when we got away from film, I think, is that. I'm sorry, we're off topic. You guys just have to fucking cope. But (laughs) one of the things you lost is that. Nowadays, high budget movies, um, they have the ability to make a digital film that looks phenomenal, right? But back, but like the ultra low budget horror movies, they look still like video. They don't look great a lot of times. There's like some there's just like a lot of reasons why that is. But when you shoot on film, you're shooting the same medium that the big boys are using, right? right. Back in the '80s, a four million dollar movie was shot on the same 35 millimeter film that the thirty million dollar movie was shot on. Right. You know, the lenses were different and stuff like that, but like it has the same texture, the same feel, and so this movie looks fucking great for a low budget movie. And I don't think there's a whole lot of real low budget movies that look that good anymore. I think that that's a, a that's for per- sure, particularly yeah. in horror.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. <laughs>
0: living dead meredith you want to do the synopsis you want to i'm going to give you two minutes take me through it
1: okay now return of the living dead is uh so you've got a warehouse full of odd things and we get down to a creepy looking canister and it gets kicked you get smoke in the air and fun ensues the dead start to come alive they're really fucking crazy in this movie because they run and they're here to eat your brains which was new we've got our two main characters Frank and Freddy and they have breathed in this smoke and now they are on the path to being the living dead themselves Hmm. which uh, really ties you in with the other zombies in this movie craziness ensues and uh, pretty much it's just an all out zombie brawl from there
0: that's pretty good that's pretty good synopsis
1: All right, Greg Oh, you want my synopsis? I watch your two-minute A. This is your movie, man. Okay, my synopsis is this. Return of the
0: Living Dead is a spiritual sequel to The Night of the Living Dead. Uh, it makes reference to Night of the Living Dead by virtue of saying that Night of the Living Dead is a true story, but that the movie... Was the fictionalized telling of those events Here we see the exact same According to this film Event occurring from the same chemicals That caused it to happen in the last time And the the zombies are truly unstoppable Every piece of them continues to live Forever and they can't be stopped Unless you burn them to pieces For gone good And it's just a really great Zombie horror comedy Where everything just gets worse And worse and worse And there's no salvation in sight
1: Left out the military No, well, that's true.
0: We did leave out the military aspect, but I also feel like that's kind. of It's all right. Let's get into it. Let's let's get into it. Um, I don't. I was gonna say that I feel like that's just sort of set dressing, but it's really not actually because this movie is very much about or at the the, you know not. I was gonna say subtext at all, but like the text of this movie is about the U.S. military being maybe a force for evil
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i think like the more you read any commentary from the directors the writers that was their direct yeah. intention
0: yeah the army's the bad guys yeah they created this uh chemical whose name i forget it's an exfoliant designed to destroy marijuana crops um, More on that in a moment and uh it, it didn't work it made dead things come back to life And uh, they bottled it all up and stored it somewhere because they didn't know what else to do with it. Actually, they lost it.
1: They lost (laughs) it. That's a whole typical
0: army. The
1: whole first point of the movie is he can't retire until this is found. Yeah.
0: The colonel is stuck monitoring this red phone 24 hours a day because they lost eight canisters of trioxin 242 or
1: whatever. Yeah. He's a total dick to his perfectly nice wife about it.
0: Yes, he is. But they both seem kind of like dicks i don't know she's
1: just making the guy dinner okay. she made him his favorite dish i had that for lunch he's a dick
0: i guess that's true <laughs> i guess that's true
1: but um well why not get into it like the the chemical and what it what it represents right yeah so i mean um
0: I, I, it's funny cuz the wikipedia doesn't really get into this i think that the wikipedia well the wikipedia says that it was a a, a comparison to agent orange um maybe Maybe. I actually think because they specifically reference it being used on marijuana crops, um, I think that it was a reference to Paraquat, which was a thing that was know, 74, 73. It was this chemical that they were developed to defoliate marijuana crops. They were going to spray them on the they were going to spray them on fields in Mexico where the army was just going to fly down and spray this shit. And they did to poison or otherwise destroy marijuana to as part of the drug war. Um, and there was a big scare about the paraquat Yeah uh, SNL did sketches on it
1: Yeah you said your dad had a story about it Yeah yeah yeah,
0: yeah. So <laughs> my dad was a, a big stoner uh, And he, he uh, also an enterprising fella I guess He had this idea <laughs> that oh, the paraquat scare What can I do here What can I do here So he went up to uh, uh, Edison Scientific I think it was Or Edmonton Scientific It's a Edison? Edison Scientific It's in Edison, New Jersey it Used to be And he got all the equipment he needed to make like little Paraquat testing kits to sell to his friends. So he made like fifty or hundred paraquat testing kits, but he didn't sell a single one. Nobody bought them.
1: <laughs> Nobody was as scared about it as no, we wanted them to like, be.
0: The scare lasted like eight months and it was over. But it's crazy, like what a cultural thing it was. Because like in those eight months, there was all these news articles. Yeah. There was SNL did sketches on it. And like since then, um it does show up in more current stuff like in uh, The Big Lebowski he refers okay. to somebody yeah, as a you, human paraquat
1: yeah I think like with the, with chemicals and things like this like you know it's left vague enough that you can assign it to whatever your personal connection is or your fear is or what's on your mind
0: yeah yeah
1: because like, I guess like what I was reading is that the Darrow company is like purposefully supposed to sound like the Dow company yes definitely yeah Dow, Yeah, which is why people made the Agent Orange exactly. connection yeah
0: I think it's a little bit of both I mean Dan O'Bannon and the writer director here, he was like a um, my understanding is he's kind of a big hippie. I like his I've heard, I don't know much. I've never met the man and I won't now. He's dead. Yeah, he's dead. But uh, I've heard him referred to as Dan O'Bannon, real hippie guy.
1: Interesting. He, I was reading stories about him like hanging out in strip clubs and stuff.
0: You don't think hippies like strip clubs? No,
1: I didn't know. That was not <laughs> no. Yeah, that was your impression. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't get the hippie impression. Mm,
0: yeah, hippies hippies like titties. <laughs> they do. There's a shirt for you. Hippies love titties. <laughs> the thing I wanted to talk about is like why this movie is called Return of the Living Dead, which I I find this to be fascinating. OK, so it's a spiritual sequel to Night of the Living Dead.
1: Explain what you, when you're saying spiritual sequel.
0: Well, because like Night of the Living Dead has a direct sequel, which was directed by George Romero. Uh, and that is Dawn of the Dead. So and it's like literally just like following this idea of the night the dawn and then day of the dead which is the original trilogy and then he made a bunch of other movies like city of the dead and all these other of the dead movies got it Um, and those all follow the exact like the events in night of the living dead kick off the subsequent storylines and the rest of those movies like they happen in the same universe return of the living dead happens like in a parallel universe where the film night of the living dead was made by somebody based on a real event that actually happened, but the army made him change the details so that it wouldn't appear about that real event.
1: I read an interesting piece of trivia about Frank when he's retelling this story. Okay. Because I forget the exact dates, but he gets his dates all wrong in his retelling, but it was purposeful because they're trying to make him an unreliable narrator.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. Deep dive. That is cool. I mean, and that's something I want to talk about, too, is that like the script is unbelievably tight. But we'll come to that. And so it's a so what happened, though, is why is this movie a spiritual successor? I love this. So it was originally written and produced by uh, John A. Russo, who was the co-writer with George Romero of Night of the Living Dead. Him and George Romero had a writing partnership that dissolved. And in the dissolution of that partnership, they split the title. So (laughs) Russo got to keep living dead. Right. And Romero got to keep the night of. It's of the dead is what he kept. Right. Yeah. Well, return of the living dead. Night of the living dead.
1: No, but Russo or Romero kept of the dead.
0: Well, that wasn't part of the original title, though. He couldn't have kept that.
1: That's what it says. In the, so they wrote about this in this that book. Like, uh, what, what are the... So what are the Romero movies that go on beyond this, then?
0: Uh, Night of the Living Dead. Uh-huh. Day of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead.
1: Yeah, of the Dead. That's right. Yeah. yeah.
0: But that's not Night of the Living Dead is not of the dead
1: <laughs> yeah well so what i read that the story was was that they didn't have the copyright right so they were both allowed to use whatever they wanted
0: probably yeah yeah sense. and so that's
1: just how they they did that they because sorted it out themselves. they changed the name at some point in the filmmaking process oh, maybe. and they never they never submitted the proper paperwork for the copyright for the new name Oh, weird. so when they split it was like they could do whatever they wanted that's with it and this is what they agreed upon copyright worked a little differently back in the 60s too i think yeah. Now if you make it, it's copywritten.
0: So Russo got to make his blank of the living dead series. Romero got to get his time of the dead mm-hmm. series based off of that. So they separated the name into two separate parts and went their separate ways. So Return of the Living Dead has a whole series attached to it. Um, I don't know. I just kind of think that's really um, really funny. And so what ended up happening too is that Russo wrote this movie And then he got Dan O'Bannon to direct it. Dan O'Bannon wrote Alien. Like, he's a very...
1: I didn't realize that, so I got I got a whole twist up about who Dan O'Bannon was and like who they were between the three of them. Right. And so I d- I thought that Dan O'Bannon was part of that original group. How do I know but it? no, he's not. Yeah, he just was chosen to direct this movie, and yeah. Russo wrote it. He may.
0: I mean, it's possible he was in there like circle of friends and had some input on it, but he doesn't get a credit
1: in it. So. Well, he's not a part of that rift. Right. No. It, yeah. So.
0: So he was hired to direct it, and when he brought it came in to direct it, he looked at the script that Russo said and said, "I have to rewrite all of this." change the tone so that it doesn't feel like a george romero movie and what a fucking brilliant move that was right like that makes the movie work um daniel bannon could write like he wrote alien like i said like the script is phenomenal script So yeah
1: i did not realize he co-created that yeah that series
0: yeah he's got credits on every single alien movie uh because like he created all the characters and stuff
1: and total recall that was the other one that i read that he said oh, wow
0: Total Recall. I can see that. I would also. Oh, but Total Recall. OK. Total Recall. He wrote, but it's a Verhoeven film. That makes perfect sense because I was like, it feels like Verhoeven. Yeah. OK. Um. That's awesome. I didn't realize he did Total Recall. Yeah. Love that movie. Doesn't really hold up. Still love it. But uh, anyway, so that's how you end up with this movie being what it is. And one of the uh, Daniel Bannon signatures is he also directed and wrote this movie called Dark Star. I've never seen it, but a lot of people cite it as being like super influential. It's how he got the job for Alien. And in it there's like a space cruiser that's filled with nuclear bombs but like all of the space pilots call them easter eggs okay and in return to living dead they refer the army refers to the barrels of dioxin two four whatever trioxin um as being easter eggs is that
1: where that term comes from
0: that's where yeah it came from dark star oh cool yeah like, like a,
1: we all are using it for every little thing now
0: yeah, well, it's just like his signature. Dan O'Bannon kept using it. Yeah.
1: yeah, like hidden, like Easter eggs. For DVD extras, always had Easter Easter eggs. That was a big Oh,
0: thing. no, no, no. I don't think it's why. No. That's a good question. Maybe. I didn't think about that. Maybe it is where the, you mean like the Easter egg. Yeah, like hidden thing. extras and things like oh, that. Oh, I, I don't know. I think it's just Dan O'Bannon's signature to refer to the the dangerous things as Easter eggs. I think that in Alien, the original script, if I'm not mistaken, one of the characters refers to them as an Easter egg,
1: the eggs that they found. I see. I wonder. We'll have to to find out. Look that up. Can't look it up right now because we're in the middle of a show. (laughs) So one of the things that I find most interesting about this movie is actually how the living dead are portrayed. Like, I find them utterly terrifying. They are. Like, more than anything else because, first of all, you can't kill them. And I've sat and thought, like— long and hard about how to even, like you say, throw them in the incinerator, but all that does is release the smoke to create more. Every way you try and kill these creatures, you're just creating a bigger problem for yourself.
0: Throw them in acid and then take the goop and And put it into a barrel, which is kind of and
1: never open it again. That's
0: kind of where the movie starts. Yes,
1: exactly. And then someone stumbles across it. You still can't completely dispose of this thing.
0: Maybe to some extent, it's like what people thought radio nuclear waste was like at one. Sure. Right, because like nuclear waste isn't. Yeah. people are going to be pissed off my comments here, but like, it's not actually as big a deal as we were told it was. It's like much more manageable than, than I was raised. to. Believe. I know very
1: little about nuclear waste. Uh,
0: I know enough to know that, like that it's more manageable than you think. It's also a lot smaller than you think. It's not like there's like barrels and barrels and barrels of bad water. Like, it's Like this,
1: you know, it's it's like a little box store it somewhere
0: from like running a reactor for years and years. Yeah, but like
1: imagine a room full of barrels with these bodies and them just like decomposing in acid. So there's that, but there's also like because they make them sentient. Oh, yeah. And then when they nail that woman down or they tie her down and they interview her, like there is a stark shift for me at that moment because they, like, yes, they're still trying to kill you, they are the problem, you have to kill them, but like. She is... I'm sympathetic to this zombie. for, And I've never experienced that in another zombie movie. They're always sort of this existential, large group that is ever coming. And she's like, we are in severe pain. And unfortunately for you, the only way to cure this pain is to eat your brain. Gotta eat your brain. And it's like, well, fuck, do I have more right to survive than this creature does? Like, now you're like you're in a battle for
0: the answer is yes (laughs) you're you so the answer is yes
1: and like you know you're you're not motivated to kill in order to survive well that's not necessarily true well like
0: what you said though is true though like about other zombie movies like in night of the living dead and they think that in this film too like that we can just shoot them in the head that stops them because in night of the living dead that's what happens and we'd establish that night of the living dead is the fictionalized retelling of true events turns out no
1: Right. You could
0: cut these things into pieces and their hands still keep coming for you like they are utterly unstoppable in a way that no other zombie movie even portrays zombies. As no, you get them.
1: You get them in the head. You get skilled at getting things in the head and you, you've exactly. got a fighting chance. Like exactly. there's no fighting chance there's here No fighting. Yeah. And it, it's it's. And then on top of it, they give you Frank and Freddie who you like, who are your main characters. And yep. now they're becoming these creatures. Yes. So that's, I think more than that woman, that's what makes you sympathetic to them. It's like, yes, well, shit. I, <laughs> it's heartbreaking. I, yeah,
0: exactly. I think that one of the things that movie does so well, you know, it's a, it's a horror comedy. I personally think that the movie is more horrifying because of its comedic overtones.
1: I struggle to call it a comedy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: but upon second watching of the movie, I was really looking for what is comedy here and like not even in the classical sense of comedy. Send more cops it's a tragedy, I guess. Yeah. Or yeah, right. There's like a lot of
0: little moments
1: like that, like a lot of the stuff, too,
0: that like the teens are <laughs> like, I don't know, like the scene when trash is like sitting on that tombstone. I love that. scene. You ever think about being killed no i try not to think about that stuff i do all the time that's pretty weird you shouldn't do that like
1: that's hilarious (laughs) yes it is it's funny but like did you think that was funny as a kid when you were watching well all right
0: so we get into that now i saw this movie when i was much 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 too young uh my grandparents were babysitting us i was seven eight years old We went to our local video store. It was called Blue Video. It's been out of business for about 40 years. No, not 40, but it's been out of business about 30 years now. So if anybody knows Blue Video, you have some pretty strong idea of where I grew up. Um, And we got to pick out two movies or a couple of movies. I don't know what my sister picked out. I saw this cover and said, Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, I'm picking out that. My grandfather picked out my left foot and we went home and we watched movies. We watched this. To my grandparents credit, they never decided we had to turn it off. So we got to see this movie. But yeah, when I was seven. Or, to
1: their credit. To their
0: credit. They didn't back away. They they <laughs> they, st- they stared it straight down and said, We're getting through this, sucker. Uh, no, every single beat of this movie was 100% real and terrifying to me. And I don't, you know, to the extent that I thought about that conversation at all, um, no, I didn't think it was funny at all then. Now I think, of course, it's hilarious.
1: Hilarious, yeah.
0: Of course, that scene also proceeds. Our big gratuitous boobs scene, right? Which, in of itself, is funny
1: because of the way it's shot. Like, right? It's so staged. Like, there's a proscenium. You know? Do you think that's a nod to the? I was shocked to see like, uh, top top a topless woman in the movie in the '60s, and oh, in '68, Night of the Living Dead. She's one of the zombies. Oh, wow. Looks like she walked out of the shower or something.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't. Um,
1: so I was w- I was wondering after that if the scene if it was like it had to be there because that was probably a huge deal in the 60s. I would have thought. Uh,
0: yeah, maybe. I don't know. I uh, Yeah, probably it was a bigger deal. Not like at that. I don't think in like the kind of underground cinema that Night of the Living Dead was. But yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I never thought about that. But I, I think it was just there because Boobs. Boobs. To make well money. and that's
1: i i think from what i've read about uh dan o'bannon he would agree with you he likes the strippers he does well that <laughs> yeah, he's love titties <laughs> he he just thought i mean it was a movie that i made that i thought boys would go see i didn't think any girls would go see it so right. i had to have a naked girl in there and then i went to the movie theater all these girls were there i was like man i should have had freddie be naked too that yeah. was sort of what he said well, about that's it
0: brilliant. that's probably true freddie would have put him in the seats i think <laughs> uh, or or what was the other guy Tra- no not trash that's Scuzz the dude in the leather oh
1: I've i not seen enough to know their names I think his name of is the Scuzz, side characters yeah, yet guy yeah. guy
0: always like think this is a costume it's a way of life man oh that's right oh <laughs> the
1: guy with the chain going from his ear yeah. to his mouth yeah a fucking costume I put on i do this for you <laughs> I know he says some line at some point about how it's like how he does he does so much for them and I'm like what is the backstory here with these kids well I thought
0: it was implied pretty strongly that he was the only one with a job and he just drives them around. Didn't? Yeah, like he's just the friend with the car who has to gas up the car, who has a job, and everybody else was just sort of like, "Is like, you guys have any money for gas?" Like, no. He's like, "You never have money for gas." Like, yeah, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, okay. I think he is slightly put upon. I don't think that's uh, without <laughs> merit.
1: Yeah, that character has a lot going on, and you don't really ever get the full story there. No, yeah. The other thing too is like, I
0: know some punk people. I don't, you know, like punks, uh, for good or ill, they get into fights. People want to beat them up. And uh, generally speaking, one of them is better at that than the rest of the crew. Sure, sure. So it might be Scus.
1: <laughs> he <laughs> takes all the hits for him. Yeah, exactly. It
0: might that might be true. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, topless scene in the movie uh, Obviously I was transfixed as a young man um, My grandmother <laughs> My grandmother chimes in You know, dead silence My grandfather's happily watching her dancing My grandmother's like, you know Gregory I'm trying to do her voice now, I can't really uh, you know, She was like, back when I was in the burly queue You know, they, we, you, we, what you think you are seeing you're not seeing there yeah, because we we knew what we were doing. We have, you know, they all thought they were seeing something they didn't see. We had we had our tricks. So I don't know why she. she I think you're just bringing that up as like a curious fact, or maybe to like she
1: just wanted to feel better about what you were watching. Like it's not this is not happening.
0: I don't think she felt bad about it at all. Yeah. I, again, my grandmother burlesque. Like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't
1: think. I think she just wanted She's really she, telling you tricks of the trade. I, yeah. I, I
0: think that it was more just like you think this is hot, it's not hot. You're not ah. seeing what you think you're seeing, Greg. That's what I think it is. Get that out of your head. This is just theater.
1: <laughs> it's not all that glamorous. It's not sexy.
0: It's theater work, baby. <laughs> I think that's what it was. Okay. But yeah, the uh, <laughs> although you have to imagine it with a Missouri accent because I'm, for some reason, unable to conjure that up at the moment. Huh.
1: Uh, I don't have one. Missouri. Yeah. Missouri, that's I usually, all I know. I, I, usually have,
0: I can usually do her voice, uh, but right now I can't. So it's a, it's a yeah, shame.
1: you usually do.
0: I do have a good voice for her. Yeah, it's usually it's like I mean, where'd it go, Greg? I don't know. You know, they come and go sometimes. That's why I can't be a voice actor. I can't just like
1: call them up. It, that is a true talent. Yeah. If ever I'm trying to call up a voice, it is something completely other than the thing I am intending.
0: I was asking my buddy um uh, Ari rubin about that because he's a voice actor, and I was like, "How do you do? You have, like?" Tricks or like a process that you note down to like bring the voice forth. Like, I do this, I put my tongue there. He's like, No, you just have to remember. Like, there's no way to do that. It's memorization and, and, and probably that makes sense and also if you had the recording like you have a, you can check back like oh yeah okay I remember what I was doing there. okay yeah or like,
1: well I know for people who do like entire films and other dialects they'll just do dialect coaching oh for sure over yeah. and over and over again but cartoon voices aren't dialects though
0: you might have to do like Some all of them other might voices yeah. yeah sure they might be
1: I wonder if there's anything like that though where it's like this is how I get into right this is how I position my mouth to get into this right. character
0: so yeah and then the nude scene too it was supposed to be full frontal nudity and I love this in <laughs> I I forget where the do you know where the objection came from over that
1: Because I don't Russo oh, was visiting set oh. I'm pretty yeah and was like appalled <laughs> and so it's actually they took her up they shaved her first Nice. which <laughs> Which she says she says was the only degrading part of the process. Why did not she do it herself? I don't. I she, maybe she did do it herself. They described it like a producer did it. I don't oh believe that that's true. I hope not. I hope that's not true. It's awful. And then, uh, and then that still was too. He said that was even Leanna worse. Quigley, by the way. Right, Leanna Quigley. Our, not Liana, Linnea Quigley. Linnea Quigley. It's, oh, my shit. middle name is Linnea, and I've never, like, my cousin's the only other Linnea I've ever known. Oh, wow. Until now. My
0: grandmother's first name was Lavena. How many Lavenas do you know? The, just
1: your grandmother. That's yeah, a weird one. Anyway, I guess it made it worse, because now you could see everything, everything. <laughs>
0: so wait, 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 wait. Russo's first th- problem was, we can't have Bush in this Russo. move.
1: I think it was Russo. It was just two, it was, yeah, right. No it,
0: Bush. Shave it down.
1: Well, and I guess Leanna Quigley has some quote, some, or Leanna, Le, Linnea, it's my own name, and I keep calling her Leanna now. Yeah, that's not good. Linnea Quigley has a quote somewhere where she, like, basically says, is like, once there's pubic hair, it's no fun anymore. <laughs> it's like, it's it's lost its fun. Nudity is fun, but when there's pubic hair, it stops being fun, was essentially... Essence of her quote. That's a weird quote. Apparently, she she did a lot of nudity in her career. Well, yeah, sort of her thing.
0: But like, I mean, until very, very recently, I can't remember ever there not being pubic hair. Ever there being anything but pubic hair. I don't even think I can. I can't think of a movie. Can you think of a movie that's not porn that has a pubic hairless lady naked in the movie?
1: Not off the top of my head. No,
0: yeah. I mean, like that would be novel, you know? Seeing some the full vulva here. Uh, I don't know like I said that... a short bus. Oh well that's a porno, right? Kinda. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I mean
1: it is, but
0: Okay. Well, regardless. Uh interesting quote from Miss Linnea. Anyway, so yeah, it was too much shaved. So now that they've shaved her, <laughs> they ended up creating like a latex prosthetic yeah. to just render her into a Barbie doll.
1: Yes. That's yes. Never which is even weirder. Okay. Yes, it is. It's even weirder. It's uh, Rachel and I have a constant like thing going about this but in the remade version of the lion king they just because they the in the cg version the live action version of the lion king they're all sitting around but there there's no no suggestion there they're not at all anatomically correct and it was it was incredibly weird to me throughout the film it was so distracting to me she has the complete opposite point of view not even no even like shadow of fur nothing just like Barbie doll right. lions, Barbie doll lions. What does Rachel think about that? She thinks it would be insane to put anything there. I don't think she might be right. I don't but think like, either of you are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just the thing we go back
0: and. You have to about hold it. two. You know, the sign of maturity, I think, is the ability to hold two diametrically opposing thoughts in your head at the same time and recognize that both of them might be true.
1: It's an unsolvable problem. Yeah,
0: I, I agree.
1: I guess maybe yeah. I don't know. Barbie doll lion better.
0: Probably, I mean, I also don't know that. Like, oh, they have big balls. See, Lions we don't have, have to go all the way
1: balls. that. I'm just like, I, like, put some fur on them so that it they're, looks covered, or something. A, I don't they're, know. The lion is covered in fur. It's just, it's a weird thing to have to do for a reanimated animated movie. Have you seen?
0: Remember the Cats movie that came out with Taylor oh. Swift? Have you seen the thing where somebody put
1: the buttholes on them? Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so cats was the last movie I saw before the pandemic started and that was haunting me until we were able to go back to theaters. Uh, oh, it was painful. Yeah
0: so we got the very weird nudity scene. first movie by the way, this is the first movie where zombies definitively eat brains. they eat brains
1: there was it was
0: invented that
1: and um the running was a big deal too Yeah
0: the running and the eating brains both very big deals in this movie yeah. absolutely fast zombies eat
1: brains talking. Like sentences too. Yeah,
0: one of the most quoted things in this movie um, is uh, "Send more paramedics." Yes, or "Send more cops." Um, and I, I think a lot of people don't know that that's where that comes from. Actually, it was funny too. I was talking about the "You ever think about when you're you ever think about being killed" line, and somebody brought up like, "Oh, wow, that's like where this." DJ or whatever got that line from like you know it's been sampled and stuff like that it's an iconic film this is a very serious cultural sure. touchstone
1: it's amazing when you find like, things like that in the wild like for years there was a Rufus Wainwright song that opens with a line from Grey Gardens Have you oh, Grey yeah, Gardens. Love- it's, it's hard to keep the line between the future and the past or uh, what the, whatever the line is yeah. and the first time I saw that movie like, in college I was like <laughs> mind blown
0: so one of the things about this movie too that I love that I don't think gets enough credit for it the acting right yes I
1: think that the cast fucking kills it
0: in this movie
1: so Dan O'Bannon was gonna play Frank oh wow
0: I didn't know that
1: and what's what's the actor's name who plays Frank
0: uh the actor who plays Frank Their name is James Karen.
1: So I guess James Karen came in and blew them away in the audition. And Dan O'Bannon for a director to say, you know what? I'll step aside and not act in my own movie. That had to be a killer audition.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, does he get? He probably plays a zombie or something in one scene.
1: I don't know if he has a cameo. I
0: would not be. I would be shocked.
1: Yeah, if he doesn't.
0: Um, that's like zombie rules. You got to be a cameo zombie. Sure. But I love the acting in this movie. I really feel like the tone. Ah. You know what it is? I think I, I was trying to figure out what it is. I love about it. There's no big acting moments in this movie.
1: No giant monologues. No. Yeah. Not really. Like and, and it never
0: feels like, man, I think that the biggest problem with acting is overacting. There's a lot of overacting out there and I can't. It just ruins my suspension of disbelief. Right. It pulls me right out. This movie doesn't have that. Yeah every performance feels really grounded very true to life maybe slightly heightened like the character is but there's nobody in this movie that feels like false or like they 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 don't exist in a real world um I don't know. It really sells it for me. I, I believe every beat of it.
1: Yeah. Part of that's in the writing, too. I thought, oh, yeah. like, the first time I watched this movie, what really struck me is Frank's relationship with his wife, which is such a... Yes. Yeah. And it's it's never given to you, but it is there the so through, strongly. Every, yeah.
0: Every, all the way through. All the way through. And it's so good. Um, and that brings me to my other point, which is the thing, talking about the writing. This is one of the tightest scripts I've ever seen in my life. <clears throat> I'm not, like, one of those Chekhov's gun people. I really... It drives me crazy that there's like this modern discourse now where people get online and complain about, like, this plot line didn't even pay off, and that foreshadowing went nowhere. Well, it wasn't foreshadowing then. You know, and they're just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you put a gun on the mantelpiece in Act 1, it better go off in Act 3. I hate that, because, like, life does not work that way. Right. I like a plot that's really messy, and where, like, things are unsatisfying. Like, shit just happens, you know? There's not a reason for it. Narratively, even, there's not a reason for everything.
1: But if your characters are written as characters and not just devices for things to happen then those things happen naturally
0: yeah exactly so i'm not one to love that kind of a tight script but this movie is that and it's hard to not just be impressed by how tight this script is not a single line of dialogue does not pay off in some way doesn't connect to something down the road like every single thing you know even frank when we're watching ernie run the um Specifically, that's a, the perfect example. And you, when we watched it together, you were like, "What a jackass this yes. guy is!"
1: I if just that line rubbed me the wrong way. I know.
0: Is Frank is watching Ernie run the uh, crematorium, and Frank's uh, kind of elbows uh, uh, Freddie and and says, "What are the money? This guy's some big favor. I could run that thing." And if, and later in the movie, we get that paid off when Frank realizing his future is so grim that he's about to become a mindless zombie crawls into the crematorium and runs it himself
1: and runs it himself I'm trying to put my finger exactly on how to say this but there's a this is like a movie where it's like there's so much underdevelopment. like no that's way the wrong way because it sounds like underdevelopment. but like there's so much story development that's not in the script but it creates like uh, I use this phrase way too much but the like piano and a jazz band right yep. there's just this like idea that there's more there and actually uh don kalfa or ernie's characters one an example that yeah. you pointed out that mm. i've i've read a little bit more about and i find incredibly interesting this movie is like an iceberg
0: yeah you only see a tip of it but right. they did so much development to support that little tip
1: there you go that's that you explained exactly what i was trying yeah, to get I, out I, of my I know mouth what you're getting at. yeah it,
0: there's a huge undercurrent there's a lot you know and there's subtext too right like there is, well, this is actually text. It's just not spoken out loud. Subtext would be like, I, I, let's put this one to rest. Let's bury this hatchet. Subtext is not a part of the movie that wasn't said out loud. Subtext is the thing that the movie is about that isn't in the movie at all. Okay. You know, like the subtext for The Day the Earth Stood Still is the is about Jesus. Okay, got it. You know, like I that's see. what that movie's really about.
1: So we're talking more about like. Easter eggs. Easter eggs. Back to (laughs) Easter eggs. Tippies
0: love titties. Um, (laughs) I had to whisper that one slightly because my kids are now apparently somewhere within earshot. No, but um, so like Ernie, right? He's the guy who runs the crematorium. That's his job. He's the mortuary guy. And it's subtle. And on my first 30 watchings of this movie, I didn't catch it. And when I read about it, I was like, oh, whoa. And then you watch the movie and you realize. He's got this weird posters up that like might be written in German behind him. And his choice of gun is an old Luger. Um, And he's listening to like big brass marching band music in his headphones while he's working. Ernie is a World War Two Nazi in hiding with living under a new identity, trying to just get on with his life. And. One, <laughs> there's supposed to be this whole like internal work happening with him where when they finally get this zombie on the table and they interview her and she talks about the pain of decay, uh, where he suddenly starts thinking about all of the people whom he has consigned personally into the pain of decay and also thinks about all the people he's in and how that must feel for them and stuff like that. Right. Um. But then also where the movie ends. For him and uh what is that character's name i always forget her name uh freddie's girlfriend
1: ernie freddie tina
0: tina so the movie ends for um ernie and tina hiding in the attic you know hoping that the monster on the other side doesn't find them doesn't break their way in uh, and and where does Ernie's Luger come in play? And I loved when you, we watched this together and you were like, well, that's useless. <laughs> His gun. Oh, right, and yeah. I was like, no, it's not. No, it's not what you see. The zombies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the movie ends with him essentially killing Tina to put her out of her misery. Before they he... don't
1: show you. He looks no, it goes at to the a gun. Frame. Yeah, right. It goes to a freeze frame. Yeah. But also, at the same time, the military is about to blow up the entire area. So whichever happens first happens. Yeah.
0: Well, I think the freeze frame is supposed to be the nuclear flash. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. So, but, like, he's pulling the trigger. The right, 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 right. Um, he has decided he's resolved to do to go this route when fate rips that opportunity from his hands and yeah ultimately the movie ends when somebody finally without any they have no other options they call the army tell them they found the Easter eggs and
1: the army responds by nuking the whole town and which which just results in really releasing more of this gas into the air and probably setting up the sequel
0: no I think it'll be fine the (laughs) fires are being put out by the rain I think that that uh, should be no issue at all there sir
1: yes (laughs) the sequel is just like a, a, a nice, uh, calm comedy about, you know, people moving on with their lives well, after no, a weird like zombie one, attack. One of the final
0: lines is that the colonel oh, who I ordered see. the nuke attack is replying to his superior commander that, like, all the fires in the city are being extinguished by the rain. So, I mean, collateral damage is pretty minimal. But we've already seen at this point that the rain spreads it. Yes, <laughs> it makes we it worse. know better mm-hmm. in yeah.
1: that beautiful three-shot sequence that is... Ooh, what yeah. a great shot. Oh
0: my god, thank you. From the smoke coming from the crematorium. It's not even it's
1: the it's the body in the fire then you follow the smoke up Then you pan down. Then you see the lightning come. Then you pan down to the ground. And we
0: go down through the ground. We follow the trickles of water through the earth until it finally gets to a grave. Oh, my God. You see some
1: smoke going through. So you just kind of know these things are combining. It's It's just really cool. Yeah. There's another movie that had a sequence like this. And I was like, I love a movie that tells a full story in three shots. I love it.
0: That's what it is.
1: It's, it's, It's a magical thing that happens.
0: So for me bad dialogue and badly delivered dialogue is the bane of all film and the less your actors talk probably the better probably the better not always but probably the better
1: we will find it will come across a case where that's not true but you'll find many cases where that's not true I'm yeah. just saying
0: that like generally it's it's better okay people are freaking out right now and the reason is that because then it makes the story visual you start telling visual right that sequence is unbelievably pure visual storytelling where you know exactly what's going on How much more effective is that than somebody... Having to say, where are they coming from? It must have gotten into the rain. Right. You oh, know? yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. it
1: must have evaporated into the sky and then the rain put it into the ground. Yeah. It's yeah, exactly.
0: awful. You have to have the stupid scientist talk. And like, it feels like a 1950s B movie, then, you know, like, where did the mant come from? Radiation. We'll Radiation what... made the mant.
1: <laughs> it's so much more fulfilling to put things together as an audience member, too. Because you're just like, I'm in it. I'm with this movie. Way I got better. it. We're together.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and also, what I want to point out, too, is like that $4 million point. You know, it's you're very lucky that this movie isn't taped theater. Yeah. Like that. It's not just a bunch of talking heads, but like you actually get these big like that's a special. That's a big effect to put that shot together. And it's seamless. It's multiple shots, but like it feels like one shot and you got to put the camera down through the dirt, like down into the earth and stuff like that. Like that is uh, a big I mean, obviously, the zombie effects are all over the place, too, but like cheap zombie effects are a thing that. Low budget independent filmmakers have. I'm not as impressed by that, right? Right. Like I, there's a that's we know that, right? Well,
1: except for the one glaring omission, the thing that is a huge thing about this movie that we haven't discussed yet. What's that? Tarman.
0: Tarman. Tarman. Thank you, about Tarman. Tar yeah, Man. we
1: can't move on before talking about Tarman.
0: And Tarman is iconic. The guy's movements. I always thought it was like some kind of a puppet. There is like puppeteer is credited in the movie, but I think that's for slab woman I think there's torso. some
1: wider shots where it is a human moving
0: I think it's always a human I think oh, that you the think puppeteer so, okay. is slab the the torso on the slab that they interview
1: Oh right, uh, right. Yeah moving that's a puppet and yeah. the face is a puppet too sure, it's not a real okay.
0: face but the the tar man is like a dude in a costume who has just like the most unbelievably fluid weird movements Yeah and that's like it's it runs so counter to zombie lore yeah, like he looks like he's made of jelly.
1: So I guess that the ooze that they used for Tarman, it was also used in the Blob. It was developed for the Blob. Oh no shit! To create and then also slime in um in um, help me, Ghostbusters too. Oh, okay. So this is like a known ooze thing. And then I guess I would have just
0: thought it was KY.
1: No, it's like this this ah, uh, I there is there's a whole thing written about what this stuff is and how the special effect is created. I doubt Got I wrote it, it down. But like it is a thing it is a horror trope that is used over and over again. I guess they would continue to like hit it with heat guns to melt it to make it look more liquidy. Oh, wow. That's why. Yeah.
0: No, I didn't know that.
1: Well, and then I guess that opening shot, I guess famously the glass cracks in this opening shot. Oh, of the barrel. Of the barrel. Yeah. And I guess that's because they were th- shooting heat through it so that the s- stuff was melting away from the face. And the heat caused the class to okay. crack, and it was like one of those bloopers. That's like, one so of the that's best you're talking mistakes. about the melt, the, yes, the,
0: the face melt. I'm just talking about the way he moves. Is that the same stuff? Was the face melt?
1: The, I think <clears throat> they put it all over him throughout okay. the throughout the stuff.
0: I I think that the thing that this movie, and I think we touched on it a little bit before. For me, my my this movie is just so despairing. It is a bleak, desperately bleak black hole of a movie um I don't know I I love it it's it just it's a very depressing film
1: in a lot of ways uh with a smile with like a kind of gallows humor it doesn't let you off the hook at any point no like you're you were stuck in this situation there's no yeah where I, I I think I wrote down at some point like the movie what it what it makes it scarier than Night of the Living Dead is it. It is bold enough to give you no hope.
0: None. Night of the Living Dead, like they survive. Somebody survives. Like the the, they, the situation resolves. They
1: are handling it at the yeah. end of that movie. Yeah. Tragically, exactly. but handling it.
0: Right. Exactly. Like there is hope that you that we'll get through this. Right. Return of the Living Dead sets it up as like nope. No, you will not. This is the end of all days right Right. here. And we've
1: just spread this out so much further. Yeah.
0: Nothing you can do will stop them. Just the way the zombies keep coming after you. I mean, it's 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 a it's inevitability.
1: Right. Like every time the cop cars pull up. Yes, it's funny that they get swarmed immediately. But it's also just like you don't even have a second of a hero getting out of the car, getting a little close. Maybe he's going to help them out. No, it is. You never even see those characters. They're yeah. just swarmed.
0: And the crowds of zombies just keep getting bigger and bigger right. and bigger. Actually, the police think that it's rioting. They don't know what's going on. Right. Because uh, they're flying overhead in helicopters. Like, all oh, this rioting that's going on downtown. What's going on? They, <laughs> the cops get overwhelmed completely in that scene. Yeah. Um, oh, you were thinking about that. I was thought you were talking about the send more cops scene. No,
1: no, yeah, but n- whenever they arrive, when uh, yeah. like with the exception of the first paramedics get killed a little bit more slowly, right. but not much, you know, right. it is just like overwhelming and quick.
0: God, I love this movie, Meredith. What are you uh you got some closing thoughts on this one?
1: You know, every time I talk about it, I think this is going to be true of most movies as we like continue to get deeper into this podcast like It's like a song like the more I hear it, the more I watch it, the more I talk about it, the more I like it. There's so much to keep digging into here to keep unpacking. And I I can understand why as someone who's lived with this movie for most of your life, (laughs) like you've continued to enjoy it, find new things in it. I I I think it's a wonderful film.
0: It's a beautiful film. It's one of the great films. There's not a lot of movies that I watch more than once. Um, Blade Runner. And Return to the Living Dead, that's about it. alien
1: we're gonna find some more I we'll know. keep a tally What has greg seen more than yeah more?
0: exactly like what what's my repeat viewing i mean i guess for this show i'll have to watch a lot of things more than once but like this is a movie that i come back to every year maybe a few times a year yeah <laughs> there's not a lot of movies that like i really love the way i love this movie
1: it's it's your it's a cozy blanket
0: it's a cozy goopy <laughs> brain-eating blanket <laughs>
1: it tracks i like it well that's
0: it for midnight local you've been hanging out with meredith over here and greg from how to drink we'll see you next time on another edition of midnight local until then we want to really give a huge thanks to our producer annie villalobos Uh, Heather Vaughn, the artist who created all of our artwork Uh, Studio 71 who helped us distribute and produce this whole crazy thing Yeah. And uh, we don't have any music yet, but when we do, we'll tell you who that Yeah, the
1: list will grow, but also if you're looking for us, you can find us over on YouTube As we've said with the show How to Drink, which has been going on for seven plus years So there's plenty to go through Yeah, you
0: can watch How to Drink over there, but you can also be watching and hearing this podcast on YouTube at youtube.com Slash Midnight Local. You can you could be listening and watching this podcast live in my three camera studio uh, <laughs> at midnight local at youtube dot com slash midnight local. Uh, also where you iTunes, Stitcher, I Spotify, wherever
1: you get your podcasts.
0: Wherever you get your podcasts
1: from. Isn't that like a rite of passage? You that- have to say that. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. We
0: should record like a Gregorian chant of it that we can just push the button. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wherever yeah. you get podcasts from. Good night. Sleep tight. Don't let the zombies bite. <laughs>